Speed up with podcast speed up. Rationally Speaking is a presentation of New York City Skeptics, dedicated to promoting critical thinking, skeptical inquiry, and science education. For more information, please visit us at nycskeptics.org. Welcome to Rationally Speaking, the podcast where we explore the borderlands between reason and nonsense. I'm your host, Julia Galef, and with us today is our guest, Professor Scott Aronson, Scott is a professor of electrical engineering and computer science at MIT. Uh, he blogs at Shtetl Optimized, and he's also the author of the book Quantum Computing Since Democritus, which our listeners might recognize because a recent Rationally Speaking guest, uh, physicist Sean Carroll, uh, named it as his pick of the episode and called it This Generation's Gödel Escherbach, which I think is the best introduction a guest could possibly get on Rationally Speaking. So, Scott, <laughs> welcome to the show. Okay, well, uh, Sean was too kind, but but thank you so much, Julia. I'm a big fan of your work, so it's an honor to be on your podcast. Wonderful. So let me let's tell our listeners what we're going to talk about today. Uh, recently, Scott was in Berkeley, and he visited the summer program on applied rationality and cognition, or SPARC for short, which is a summer program for uh, gifted high school math students that my organization runs. And Scott gave a guest lecture, um, which is also posted on his blog, so you can read the transcript there. And the topic of the lecture was basically rational disagreement. So what should it look like when two rational people uh, have a disagreement and share their opinions and discuss? Um, for example, should we expect their opinions to converge by the end of the conversation? So uh, does being rational uh, and do the rules of rationality allow for disagreements to persist, basically? So that, that's my brief introduction to the topic. And uh, Scott, I, I'll turn the floor over to you. You can give uh, an assuredly better <laughs> introduction. Oh. I don't know. I mean, that's okay. So, 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 Allman's theorem is a uh, uh, a theorem in uh, uh, interactive epistemology, which I guess is a field that didn't really exist before the theorem came along. But uh, uh, it was proved by Robert Allman in the uh, 1970s. It was part of what he won the Nobel Prize in economics for. Uh, but uh, it's a uh, you know once you sort of like I think like many things in economics sort of once you uh, 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 sort of have the right idea or you know what you're talking about it's you know it's uh, it's a few it's a few lines to prove it right there's you know there there's a uh, you know almost all the work is just adopting a certain point of view so what the theorem says is basically that uh, if you've got two uh, uh, rational agents uh, who are who are Bayesians, right? Which is you know the they sort of obey, you know they both believe the the rules of the probability calculus, and uh, they've got um, uh, common priors, okay? Which means that they sort of assign the same uh, probabilities, you know, before seeing anything, you know, to to each possible state of the world, okay? Uh, and you know. Uh, um, uh, and 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 we all know that they're that they're honest and rational, and you know we all know that we know that, and know that we know that we know that, and so forth. You know these are these are admittedly big assumptions, okay? But uh, then these agents go off and live separate lives, okay? They have different experiences, you know. Uh, uh, you know, one of them, uh, uh, you know, reads one book, one of them uh, reads another. You know, one uh, visits one country, and and so forth. They uh, so uh, so they have different different experiences, which then causes them to update their beliefs differently. 
Okay, but then they meet again, and they're discussing some question, you know, which could be anything that uh, depends on the state of the, you know, is a function of the state of the world. So like, uh, you know, what is the probability that Hillary will win the uh, the election? Or... Uh, uh, or, or, the, or what's the probability that there is extraterrestrial life? Okay, and uh, what it says, you know, so, so, so of course, having had different uh, experiences, having different knowledge, they may have different beliefs about this question. Okay, and uh, um, but, uh, but it says, you know, uh, if they can ever reach a position where their opinions are common knowledge to each other, meaning that they both know each other's opinions and they both know that they know them and they know that they know that they know them and so on forever, then that very fact implies that their opinions have to be equal. Okay, so uh, it's often summarized by saying that they cannot agree to disagree. You know, uh, having common knowledge of each other's opinions, uh, you know, precludes the the, the opinion being different. Um, So... uh, uh, you know, so they're, they're, you know, it's a, it's a surprising uh, a theorem when you, when you first hear it, because, uh, uh, it, you know, it seems to make a prediction about how, you know, rational agents are going to behave, which is just wildly at variance with anything that we've ever seen, you know, in our uh, ordinary lives, right? right? And so then, you know, a large part of the discussion around this theorem, you know, is, is about uh, how, uh, how do you... Uh, uh, how do we how do reconcile that? that? Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. How do you, you know, I, I mean, I mean, there are sort of two uh, two ways you could view the theorem. You could view it as, you know, making a prediction about what uh, disagreements are going to look like, and in that case, it is very clearly a failed prediction, right? So, you know, we can just throw that out right away, okay? But then you could also view the theorem as having, you know, an, an aspirational significance. Right, as saying, you know, this is what disagreements should look like. This is what they would look like uh, if we were honest and rational. Right, that uh, um, you know, actually, uh, uh, disagreements would not persist. Okay, there are. Uh, so I should mention, you know, there were a bunch of results just sort of in the vicinity of Allman's theorem related to it somehow. Uh, one of them uh, says, uh, you know, if you've got um, uh, rational uh, Bayesians with common priors and, and so forth, then they're never going to exchange in speculative trade, right? They're never going to buy or sell stocks, you know, just out of speculation. Because they have the same if, liquidity I, needs. if I want to to buy your stock or if I want to sell mine, then that's that gives you some information or that, that reveals that I know something that you don't, that yep. if you knew it would make you not want to do the deal? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, also, you know, uh, suppose we have a conversation where, you know, about some question where, you know, I tell you my uh, opinion and then, you know, that causes you to change your opinion, right? You know, just the mere fact that, you, you know, I'm an, uh, an honest, rational person and I believe such and such, even without knowing, you know, any of the evidence on which my opinion is based, that may cause you to have a new opinion. Okay. And then suppose that you tell me your new opinion. Okay, and then, of course, I, you know, you being honest and rational, of course, I update on that. And, you know, and so we keep going back and forth like that. Uh, then, you know, you can, you can prove that, you know, under very, very general conditions, that process, you know, must terminate after a finite number of steps with our having the same opinion. Okay, uh, 
you know, assuming the common priors and, and all of that. Okay, so, and furthermore, it will be common knowledge that we had the same opinion. Okay, right. and now, you know, if you want a, a really weird aspect of this, uh, 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 of this picture, um, it's that, uh, 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 you know, the, um, um, I should not be able, you know, while we're having this conversation, I should not be able to predict the direction in which you're next going to disagree with me. So, you know, for example, if I said a very liberal opinion and you responded with a more conservative opinion, you know, and then I, you know, maybe I saw some of your points, so I moved a little bit, you know, in your direction. Uh, but, um, uh, but, you know, but I should still expect that, you know, after I respond, the next thing you're going to say is going to be more on the conservative side, right? Right. Maybe so maybe I, will have, maybe I will have moved a little bit towards your position, maybe, although that doesn't yep. usually happen. But yep. you would be yeah. very surprised yep. if I had, you know, updated all the way towards your opinion or even past it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll gradually inch toward each other in the ideal case. But, you know, I can still predict that the next thing you're going to say is going to be to my right. You can predict that the next thing I say will be to your left. Okay, and that why... is not how a Bayesian conversation, you know, with the common prior should work at all. Why okay, is that? Uh, can you the, give the intuition? Uh, yeah, the, the intuition for that is basically that uh, the conversation should, should satisfy what's called the martingale property, okay, which means, you know, I am trying as possible, uh, I'm trying as hard as possible to get the right answer, right? Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, um, you know, so, so, so once you tell me something, I'm going to just update on that immediately, okay? It's not grudging, it's not, uh, you know, uh, it's not bargaining, you know, I'll grant you this if you grant me that, right? I'm just trying to converge to the truth, okay? So I will uh, um, update, and then, you know, if I could predict that like the next thing that you were going to say would have you know would tend to move me in a conservative direction you know all all else being equal you know or on average or whatever then I would have already moved in that conservative direction you know uh, uh, anyway without you know before I even heard your message right okay. oh and so. and since we're since we're giving the example of using liberal and conservative political views yep. I want to yep. disambiguate uh, that the kinds of, of disputes that Amund's theorem applies mm -hmm. to uh, correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but they are mm -hmm. they are factual questions, not, for example, values or preferences, which uh, yeah, we should not so necessarily okay. expect people to converge on. Right. So okay. So 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 it's it's a formal framework, and uh, 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 you know, and 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 it applies any time you've got uh, uh, your your opinions are sort of functions of the state of the world, where the state of the world is the thing that we have a prior over. Okay. So so what that means is that if we both you know agreed on having like a Bayesian prior probability distribution over possible uh, uh, moral beliefs, you know, about abortion or about whatever, right? Uh, you know, and, and if you and I had the same prior, then we could have an Armenian conversation about that, just as well as we could have one about, you know, a factual question. What's the probability of there being extraterrestrials? Okay, right. but uh, in, you know, in, in, in practice, it may be, you know, it might be even weirder to imagine that we would start out with a prior probabilities over moral things than, than, than over, uh, uh, you know, empirical ones. Okay, right, but, right. Uh, um, but, uh, but, but, you know, it, it, it applies in any situation where we're Bayesians with common priors. Right. It's actually, when you think about it, kind of striking how unstriking it is 
that disagreements <laughs> don't resolve like this, right? Whereas yeah. it, it's very, very normal and familiar yes. to have a, yes. a disagreement between two people who are both mm -hmm. smart and respect each other, respect each other's yep. thinking skill and knowledge and yep. expertise. Um, and they, they also are entering the conversation in good faith. Like they're, yep. they're actually trying to listen to yep. each other. Yep. Uh, and they discuss for a long time. They share their data and their opinions. And by the end of the conversation, they haven't convinced each other. Or maybe they've convinced each other right. a little bit, but not very much. And that's just that's very right. normal. That's not surprising at all, you know, normally, <laughs> yeah. until you're viewing right, it in right, the context right. of and this And I think, you know, in, in such cases, it's often that, like, you know, one person says, like, it, it's sort of like, you know, each one wears their opinion as sort of a badge of their identity. And it's sort of they're agreeing to disagree. It's sort of like one person saying, you know, I respect that, you know, you holding this point of view as part of your self-presentation, you know, uh, you know, you respect that my holding this other point of view as part of mine. Right. Uh, but, you know, this is not the behavior of, of uh, you know, ideal truth seekers. Well, so I, I was I mean, yeah. I, I agree that's a very normal mm -hmm. uh, process to see as well. But I was actually trying to mm -hmm. point at something even stronger, which is mm -hmm. even when people uh, aren't at least consciously holding their opinions mm -hmm. as sort of badges of identity, um, yep. even when they, they feel like they're trying to be completely objective and, and evaluate mm -hmm. all the facts mm -hmm. and just come mm -hmm. to the right answer, you know, together, mm -hmm. they still mm -hmm. usually don't converge. Um, on, on large questions, at least, if it's a small question like, you know, is the office likely to be open on Sunday, then that maybe yeah. they'll converge on that, yeah. but not, not yeah. bigger questions. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is striking. I mean, you know, I, I said on my blog that, you know, the, the closest that I've, that I've ever seen to sort of the prediction of Allman's theorem, you know, is probably when you've got like two uh, mathematicians or, you know, scientists who are arguing about something, you know, in, in front of a, a blackboard, right? And, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, I've seen it happen, or, you know, sometimes I've been one of the participants, right, that two people will just be vigorously arguing about something, and then 10 minutes later, they'll still be vigorously arguing, except now the sides have switched. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> you know, because now, you know, one person says, okay, fine, you know, fine, all right, you know, I get it, I, you know, this, this conjecture is probably true, and the other one says, oh, no, but maybe there is a counterexample. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Can you, you imagine know, and, that happening with politics? Right, right. And, and, that's and that's so, laughable you know, just to even imagine that situation. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, and, and that sort of rapid switching of the direction of disagreement, you know, that's exactly what sort of a, 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 an Almanian conversation should look like. Because, you know, these are almost like exceptions that prove the rule. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and, OK, uh, you know, certainly these are cases where, you know, the two people come to the conversation with, you know, an enormous uh, shared background of, you know, what uh, of assumptions of, of, of what counts, what's going to count as an answer, you know, and, and, and where there is a right answer. Right? right. There is an underlying ground truth that, they, you know, they, you know, and, and, they, and they both sort of uh, hopefully, you know, understand uh, the terms being used that they're, you know, that they're talking about the same thing, right? You know, and, and you know, even, even there, this is very difficult, right? But, uh, you know, so much the more so in, um, you know, in most of the other things that we argue about. So to, to try to reconcile the predictions that Amund's theorem makes with what we actually see uh, mm -hmm. among humans, even humans mm -hmm. who are smart and arguing in good faith, etc., mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, it seems like we, you could go at least two different directions there. One is to say, well, humans aren't rational. Um, they just, yep. you know, aren't actually, even if they have, think every, they're... Everyone besides me is irrational. Oh, right. Yes, that's the more uh, <laughs> yeah. precise yeah. way to me, phrase me, the me, conclusion. Me and you. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, well unless, unless you and I find something we disagree about. Then, In which you know, case, it's just you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, right. That's one, one thing is to say, well, even if people think they're trying to update rationally, et cetera, et cetera, they're not really doing that. And another yeah. way is to say, well, there's some sort of condition of Amund's theorem 
you know, part of the formal step, like specifications under which it holds that doesn't apply to, to, you know, real life for some reason. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that could be, uh, you know, uh, Amund's theorem says people will converge with a finite amount of time, but it doesn't say how long that finite amount of time is, you know, and maybe it's just far, far longer than, you know, the hours that humans could possibly spend discussing. And that's (laughs) why we don't see convergence or, or maybe the condition that doesn't hold is about having, having common priors. Like people obviously, you know, mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. up in different environments. They have different information. Maybe we can never fully share it. I actually, I'm I'm not quite clear on what it means to have common priors. Okay, um, in all the right. So, that's, of these so, so, so we can talk about all of these things. So, I mean, when I first learned about Allman's theorem as a grad student in 2003 or so, my uh, first reaction was, you know, this has to be uh, nonsense, right? There has to be some loophole that uh, uh, will, you know, prevent this from having, you know, any significance to the real world, you know, even sort of uh, aspirational. And, uh, uh, um, you know, so, so the, the first thing that, 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 that occurred to me was, was this, uh, you know, how long could this conversation take? Exactly as you said, right, if it were going to take, you know, 10 billion years for us to reach, you know, common knowledge, you know, if, if essentially, you know, we would need to mind meld Right. Or, you know, uh, just, you know, I would need to sort of share everything I had experienced in my life. You would need to share everything you'd experienced in yours. Right. Well, you know, of course, you know, at at that point, there would be nothing to distinguish us. So, you know, not surprisingly, we would have the same beliefs. Okay, But that's just not practical. Have you? We, We have these very, very limited communication channels, uh, you know, of our mouths, our ears, right? But uh, but then, you know, I proved a theorem, you know, this was sort of my one little, little contribution to this uh, uh, literature, you know, that, that, that was very surprising to me, that said that that's, this is not the case at all, that actually, you know, if you just want two people to uh, approximately agree, you know, to just, you know, agree to within... 10%, let's say, about the probability that Hillary will win the election, and you want that to happen with high probability uh, over their shared prior. Okay, so you want the two people to come into the conversation expecting that, you know, there's a 90% chance that they're going to, you know, approximately agree, then this only requires a very short conversation. Uh, the, the number of, uh, 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 of times we have to tell each other our opinion actually only depends on, you know, how closely we want to agree and with what probability. It doesn't even depend at all on the total amount of knowledge that we have. Huh. Okay, so that was sort of my, my complexity version of, of Allman's theorem. Um, now, the, now the, 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 the other way out is that you could reject this common priors assumption. So, so let's go into a little bit of, of what that means, right? So uh, uh, in, in Bayesian probability theory, which is this, you know, maybe the... The, the most famous, you know, modern conception of what it means to be to be rational, right? You uh, you just assign these these numbers, you know, probabilities to different possible ways that the world could be, uh, and uh, you know these can these are allowed to start out as just made up numbers in your head, you know, as long as they sort of obey the rules of probability, like you know the probabilities of mutually exclusive, you know, alternatives should should add up to one and so forth. Okay, uh, um, then, um, um, uh, uh, you know, as uh, Bayes' rule, you know, is this uh, very uh, uh, particular rule for, for how you should update these numbers when you get new information, right? But, uh, but uh, it, you know, of course, uh, uh, it doesn't tell you, you know, how you should come up with the numbers in the first place. 
right? What should, you know, before you've seen anything, you know, what, what, what should be your prior probability that, that extraterrestrials would exist? Or you could say, you know, among all the possible universes in which you could find yourself, mm-hmm. in what fraction of them, you know, are there extraterrestrials, right? And so that, you know, uh, uh, be, can become, you know, almost a, a, a metaphysical question, right? And, uh, you know, and, and the traditional answer is that, well, you know, you're allowed to start with whatever prior probabilities you want, you know, uh, you know, maybe you can you can critique some as being better than others, uh, but you know, but the but the math will sort of operate with any priors, right, equally well. And uh, you know, the hope is that once you've done enough conditioning, then even people who have very different, who started out with very different prior probabilities, could you know, could still come to agree with each other. Okay, but uh, but the truth is that you know if you if you drop this assumption of common priors, so you you um, meaning you know you say that you know I I come into the world with with different you know prior expectations than you come into the world with, then uh, then Allman's theorem doesn't work anymore. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know we could in in that case uh, agree to disagree. Right. Okay, and so 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 you might say that well may, then maybe that's the obvious way out of this. Uh, but you know there was a, there's a paper by Tyler Cohen and Robin Hansen, which is the the one that sort of first introduced me to this stuff actually, uh, called "Are Disagreements Honest?" Mm-hmm. And they they have a very striking uh, 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 sort of answer that they that they suggest to this, which is, well, you know, if um, if we're really going to be thoroughgoing Bayesians, then uh, uh, then, then you could say, how does it even make sense for two people to have different priors? Okay, and because uh, um, you know what what they say is, you know, if if two people are disagreeing, right? Then you know, then well, say say Alice and Bob, right? Then mm-hmm. Alice ought to sort of treat the very fact that she is Alice and not Bob as just another event in her life, another observation for her to conditionalize on. Right, and Bob should treat the fact that he is Bob and not Alice as just you know something that he's observed, and uh, so uh, uh, so you know it, it's a very uh, sort of a Spinozist point of view, right? That uh, uh, you could you can imagine it as you know before any of us are born, you know we were sort of behind, you know we were sort of pure uh, uh, reasoning minds, you know behind some veil of ignorance. And you know, in this original condition, there's nothing to differentiate any of us, right? There's, there's not, you know, there anything that did differentiate us would just be information that we would that we would condition on, right? right. And you don't and actually so in, need the the metaphysical uh, setup to yeah, in, right, in order to right, see the force right. of the argument, right? You could just that's say right, that's right. I'm, know, t- I'm telling the story, but it's but you know, uh, but you know, we could we could we could restate it by saying, look. You know why uh, should you know the very? I mean, what 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 why should the fact that I am me and not you give my prior any sort of special epistemic privilege right. over your prior? Or in other right? words, why because, should I know, believe if, my if opinion? I had been you, just I would have had mine. your prior. Yeah, excuse me. I just said, in other words, why should I believe my opinion just because it's mine? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so basically, people's in in this argument, people's opinions are all just sources of data about what the true answer might be, and that goes for your opinion mm-hmm. as well as other people's opinions. That's right. Yeah. Do you have Do you have an answer to that? It feels <laughs> well, It feels uh, very intuitively hard to accept. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, one one can point out that this sort of vision 
of, you know, these sort of pure reasoning beings that, you know, that sort of emerge from the womb and then, you know, start conditionalizing, <laughs> start updating. You know, this is not a very good picture of, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, of what humans are, right? I mean, even well, just to learn the, you know, the rules of, of Bayes' theorem, you know, that, you know, takes a lot of education and, and so forth. And uh, so, you know, you can you can try to point to the the... Uh, the sort of metaphysical strangeness of it, of it all. But uh, I mean, I the, my my sort of basic point of view is that you know I am um, you know extremely happy to be a Bayesian. Like I, I you know believe in in Bayes' theorem. Like you know I believe in the Pythagorean theorem or, or whatever. But you know, and I will happily use it in any situation where you know uh, it seems sensible to me to to discuss a prior. Right, like you know, if we're talking about red balls and blue balls in an urn, and you know, and I pick one out, right? It seems, uh, you know, very reasonable to say, you know, I start with a uniform prior over all of these balls, and then you know, if I if I find that one, you know, one is blue, then I conditionalize on it being blue, and and so forth. Okay, but when you get to uh, things like you know, what is the uh, prior probability that extraterrestrial life exists? Or what is the prior probability that I would have been born, you know, as Scott Aronson and not as Julia Galef, right? Or, you know, that I would have been born in the 20th century and not at some other time. Okay, then neither situations where, where uh, my, my, um, my confidence wavers. I no longer feel like uh, uh, it necessarily makes sense to talk about a prior. I mean, I could make one up, but there's no... But then there's no reason why I should trust the numbers as, mm. uh, as sort of being meaningful. So, um, uh, so, uh, so I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bayesian in the sense that you know I will sort of very happily apply this this framework. I think it's a powerful framework. You know, uh, you know, whenever, whenever. Uh, you can you can give me an argument that yes there's a prior here that that makes sense okay but you have to give me that argument for for you know a prior right I don't feel like I come into the world with a pre-existing prior over every possible sequence of perceptions that I could have had or or, or something like that right well it actually seems to me that the the argument that um, Tyler and Robin made about uh, mm-hmm. you know basically why why believe your opinion any more than someone else's just because it happens to be in your body uh, not their mm-hmm. body it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to me that that argument uh really relies on Amund's agreement theorem um uh, yeah so so you, you know and and, and the, the truth is like i think that that Allman's theorem can sort of underscore for us you know the the value the importance of certain you know epistemic practices that well we probably could have realized were a good idea even without Allman's theorem but you know if it if it if it helps us, then so much the better. I mean, yes, always try to consider the other person's point of view. Always sort of think, try to think very hard about well, if if I had been born as this other person, you know, uh, uh, if I had experienced what they had experienced, then you know, would this make more sense to me, right? Or or then would I still be making the argument that I'm making now, right? right. And uh, I think it's very good at epistemic practice to sort of only put forward arguments, you know, if you feel, if, if at least you feel that they can survive that sort of scrutiny, right? You know, they, they, you might be wrong about it. They might still not, but you should at least try to subject them to that kind of scrutiny. Right. Well, I, I mean, I do feel like Almond's theorem adds value to our understanding, mm. uh, at, you know, 
for example, mm-hmm. because the common sense advice of, you know, consider other people's opinions uh, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it doesn't have nearly as much force without that yep. framework behind it of, you know, mm-hmm. you if you're not going to update, yep. uh, you need yep. some kind of justification. You know, if yep. you think that this person is just as smart and reasonable and, and you know, knowledgeable as yep. you and you're not yep. updating towards yep. their opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you both have like common knowledge of each other's opinions. Then, then there's like mm-hmm. something that should bother you about that, basically. So I think yeah, it does. Like, Amon's theorem does uh-huh. go beyond the common sense. Mm-hmm. You should consider other people's mm-hmm. opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, I, I'm, but I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm going to update Julia. I think, I think <laughs> you're right about this. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think you're right that that without Amon's theorem, I mean, you wouldn't have this sort of clear sort of model, you know, that, that is so wildly different than, uh, you know, uh, what, what you would have expected intuitively, right? But, uh, but that, you know, has a sort of aspirational value that, you know, yeah, you know, we, we, we might never be able to sort of reach the point where our disagreements look like this. But, you know, if, if we could reach the point where, you know, I am, you know, uh, uh, expressed, you know, ar- arguing for a more liberal position, and then five minutes later, I've switched and I've argu- I'm now arguing for the more conservative position, and then I switch back and so forth. That is a, that is actually a good sign. That's a sign of uh, uh, you know people updating ra- you know as rapidly as the math uh, says that they should. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly yeah. Uh, neither I nor you know my friends or colleagues, even the the like most mm-hmm. talented rational ones, are not yep. perfect uh, on. Yep. Uh, updaters yeah. or Bayesian updaters, right. but but I, I do right. see some of this. Uh, I, like I think that this framework has influenced to some extent the way that mm-hmm. I and my friends mm-hmm. have conversations. Like for yeah. example, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yes, I'm I will. It'll often happen that say uh, uh, I'll share an opinion, and then you know my friend uh, and and colleague Kenzie will like hear it, but not be that convinced. And then I'll mm-hmm. say, well, actually, the fact that you weren't convinced by that makes me less confident in that opinion, yeah. and. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so we'll sort of update on on the degree to which mm-hmm. each other has updated on our yep. opinions. Uh, yep. So we can't, you know, we don't have the full, mm-hmm. uh, you know, infinitely iterated common knowledge of, of you know, yep. my beliefs about your beliefs about my beliefs, etc. Because yep. we have limited computing power uh, and time. <laughs> yeah. But um, but there's yeah. some of that going on, and it seems helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I should I should mention there's a there, you know there's a very funny irony, right? With one of the the main you know exponents of of uh, of Allman's theorem or the people you know the the person who 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 taught me about it was was Robin Hansen right and uh, and and Robin is is sort of uh, 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 famous or infamous for you know having zillions of beliefs that just completely you know wildly go against the consensus of all of the <laughs> other smart educated yeah. people right and you think you know if if Robin, you know, uh, uh, himself, you know, were, were, were an Almanian, right, then, you know, then shouldn't he be, be uh, you know, be, be more worried about that? Yeah, right? I never actually asked him that. I'm that. curious yeah. what he would say. Mm-hmm. Our, you know, he was also a guest on Rationally Speaking after Sean Carroll um, oh, okay. and, and, and made well, many that. claims that I'm sure our listeners found surprising and not intuitive at all, <laughs> like well, like the fact yeah. that people, you know, don't uh, don't buy medical care because they want to get healthier, for example. Mm-hmm. No, I think the, the 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 most surprising thing that Robin could do would be to say something unsurprising. Right? <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those classic paradoxes. Um, yeah. I, I want to just expand briefly on something I said a few sure. minutes ago, which sure. was that I, I thought the uh, that Tyler and Robin's argument was very counterintuitive, uh, mm-hmm. and this argument mm-hmm. being, you know, why should I just believe my opinion just because it's mine? Um, yeah. And the the thing that I think is counterintuitive there, I mean, in one sense, it kind of it it does kind of make sense, but uh, I think it just, when you carry that, that logic out a few steps, you get to the point where, uh, well, you know, all these, all these millions or billions of people in the world believe in a god, 
Um, should mm-hmm. I update mm-hmm. on that? Um, yeah. You know, is the fact that I don't believe in a god, you know, not really worth taking more seriously just because it's my own opinion? And you can mm-hmm. you can justify not updating on these mm-hmm. all these billions of theists by saying, well, you know, I can I can see their logic, I can see the flaws in their logic, or I can see why mm-hmm. they have this mistaken impression. Um, but then the next step after that is to say, well, you know, if I were them, if I'd been born in their situation, I would have uh, arguments against my current position. Uh, or yep. the real me's current position. And so yep. it's just not clear, like, once you start going down that path, it's not really clear how you can justify, uh, you know, not just updating to all your opinions to the, the same sort of muted shade of gray that's just an average of everyone <laughs> in the world's opinions, yes. you know? Yes, yes. No, I think you bring up something, you know, uh, hugely important, right, which is uh, what's sometimes called the problem of the reference class. Mm-hmm. Right, like, like, what is your, co- you know, your epistemic community, right? What is the set of people who's, you know... Uh, who you are going to regard as sort of sufficiently, you know, honest and rational that you should worry about it if they disagree with you. Right. Uh, so it's like on the one hand, you could say, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, if, if if almost everyone, you know, throughout history has believed in a god, and uh, you know, you don't, then that's that that should worry you. On the other hand, you know, if you hang out with, you know. Uh, you know, the people you sort of spend all your time with, you know, I don't know, you know, Bay Area rationalists or whatever, or, you know, uh, for me, you know, other, uh, you know, computer scientists, right? If uh, all, almost all of them, you know, don't believe in a God or, or, or only very nominally believe in a God, right? Then maybe, you know, uh, you know, and if I consider that my community, then I should be worried if I do believe, right? So, uh, right, so, but so it's only my community yeah. because I was, I happened to be you know, mm-hmm. in this environment, in this uh, group, right? Well, oh, okay, okay. I mean, may, maybe it's a little different for you and, and for me, because I think, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, joined a, a, you know, what's specifically a community of aspiring rationalists, right? And, uh, you know, and I, I joined a, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I guess a, a community of theoretical computer scientists, right? You know, not not because of their beliefs about God or whatever, right? That's just, a you know, a byproduct, Right. So, uh, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's, 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 there, there, I think there always is this, 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 this question of, you know, like, uh, who, um, who, who, who's, who's, who, who, uh, uh, who should we consider our our epistemic peers? Yeah, 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 right. Who, 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 who? Who do we consider our epistemic peers, right? Yeah. I think in practice, you know, there are almost always some, you know, specific people, you know, whose opinion, you know, you weigh as heavily or more heavily than those of, you know, a billion other people, right? Right. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, so so th- this may relate to the, uh, the this, this um, well, other blog post that I once had about the, uh, 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 eigentrust or eigendemocracy, right, where you try to, uh, 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 you know, figure out the, this notion of sort of, w- you know, which people are the ones uh, who you should, you know, who you should trust a lot, right? I think that the way that we we sort of res- uh, figure this out in practice is by, you know, having some sort of equilibrium where, okay, if someone is trusted a lot by, by people who we've already decided to trust for other reasons, then that that adds to the trustworthiness of that person, right? right. If, you know, if uh, if there was someone we trusted, but they're massively distrusted by other people that, who we trust, then that, that creates a problem that then, you know, has to be resolved somehow. 
Right. So we're we're sort of constantly, you know, looking for an equilibrium in our in our trust networks, and um, uh, you know, and 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 you could say that that like when we, um, you know, I think a lot of debates that are are sort of nominally about, uh, you know, some factual question or, or some moral question, you know, in the external world, you know, are, are really under the surface about just sort of which which epistemic community is the one that should be trusted. Right. Uh, Scott, we have we have a few minutes left in this part of the podcast, mm-hmm. and you had mentioned yep. before the show that you uh, you had a sort of real-life case study in your field mm-hmm. of quantum computing um, ah, and computational yes. complexity theory. So I was, I was hoping you could mm-hmm. just describe that briefly and, and talk about how the disagreements have played out in that space. Sure. So, um, uh, so, so the... the the, the 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 disagreements with which you know I have maybe the most real life experience uh, are uh, about quantum computing. Uh, so uh, so this is a you know a proposed technology that would you know use quantum mechanics to solve certain problems a lot faster than we know how to today. Uh, uh, and you know uh, the laws of quantum mechanics you know uh, as we understand them now seem very uh, unambiguously to to allow this, and you know, and and uh, you know, there are experimental groups all over the world uh, that are actually trying to build this. Some some of them are very optimistic that you know that they may have you know useful devices within you know a decade or two decades or something. Okay, but uh, you know, the, this field has also engendered a lot of skepticism. Uh, you know, including you know some of it by physicists, some by computer scientists. Uh, um, you know, and and uh, uh, some of them will say, "Well, this is this is you know this is all just you know completely uh, a sham. You know, this is uh, um, you know this is something that can that can never work." And uh, you know, so I've been uh, very very interested, maybe maybe more than most most of my colleagues have been in in sort of interacting with these people and just trying to understand, you know, where does the skepticism come from. Because my default position, you know, would would sort of be, well, look, you know, I certainly, I, I hope that the skeptics are right, right? Because if they're right, then, you know, that means that there's something wrong with our current understanding of quantum mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if there's really like a, you know, a deep reason why a quantum computer can't be built, you know, I don't mean it's just, it's too hard that, you know, the money will run out or something like that, but it's, you know, it's really fundamentally impossible then uh, you know, then there's really something that we don't understand about quantum physics itself, and you know, and, and you know, how exciting would it be to discover that, right? That would uh, that would be you know, to me, a hundred times better than a mere success in building a quantum computer. Okay, but you know, but somehow they don't see it that way. Okay, somehow uh, you know, I sort of argue with people who. Uh, who just take it as obvious that quantum computing can never work, and you know, and 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 you know, it's not even particularly interesting, right? Uh, you know, I mean, so, some of them will, will admit that that you know, okay, at least you know, it's it's interesting to you know to prove why they're right, even though you know they they, they even though they sort of know that they're right uh, without the proof, okay? But uh, but um, you know, but but in any case, they they see you know sort of this enormous you know, burden the, uh, of proof falling squarely on, you know, the people who, 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 who do believe, you know, and, uh, you know, this sort of the standard picture of, of, of quantum mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I've thought a lot about, you know, what could be behind this. 
And, you know, the best model I could come up with is, you know, that actually these are, these are, these may be people who have a radically different prior, uh, sort of, you know, so, so, you know, if you look at what quantum mechanics actually says, you know, and, and the part of it that is, you know, like relevant to quantum computing, right? What it says is mind, you know, absolutely mind boggling, right? It says that, you know, the state to keep track of the state of, you know, even like, uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, a thousand particles. You know, you need two to the south, thousandth power complex numbers, right? You need this gigantic uh, vector of, of, you know, of of, uh, of amplitudes. They're called for the different possible configurations that a system could be in, mm -hmm. right? The size of the vector increases exponentially with the with the size of the system it's representing. Okay, so 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 basically quantum mechanics you take it at face value says you know the the world is exponentially more difficult to simulate on a conventional computer you know than you would have expected a priori okay and now you know you could imagine you know having a prior over possible states of you know over possible ways that the world could be right and so you know, a lot of people talk about priors that uh, uh you know they incorporate occam's razor right so like mm -hmm. Simpler state, you know, simpler laws of physics should should have a you know a, a greater prior probability than more complicated laws. Right, and I think you know pretty much everyone basically agrees about that, except that they they may disagree about exactly what counts as simpler. Right. Okay, but uh, uh, but 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 now in addition to Occam's razor, you know, there are people who uh, would uh, um, uh, have a, a computational. Uh, element to their prior, right? I've called this Occam's razor with uh, with complexity aftershave. Okay, where <laughs> you know they would say, uh, uh, well, look, if if your you know postulated laws of physics you know involve this huge amount of computation, then that sort of you know that that very fact makes them massively unlikely. Okay, it you know uh, you know the more computation you're you're positing you know, uh, uh, would, would need to be done to calculate the predictions of your theory, the less likely your theory is, okay? And by that standard, you know, if, if classical computing is your sort of definition of computation, then, you know, you're going to say that any theory that allows quantum computation is just massively disfavored right off the bat. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter what the physicists have been saying for the last hundred years. It doesn't matter, you know, what all the results of these experiments are. You know, still, you know, some out has to be found that would prevent nature from, you know, having to do this massive amount of computation. Okay, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the thing I would point out is that, you know, if, if that's what you believe, then even if a scalable quantum computer is someday built, you know, even if we, we actually have quantum computers that are, you know, uh, factoring or, you know, apparently factoring, you know, uh, 100,000 digit numbers and, you know, breaking uh, all the cryptography that we use uh, on the Internet, which is, you know, one of the, one of the things that a quantum computer uh, would be able to do, uh, you know, you know, uh, like a, this, this, um, 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 complexity aftershave type of skeptic, you know, would, would, would still have to say in that case, well, you know, it is more likely that, you know, that a, that a demon, you know, stole the numbers or, you know, a demon, you know, uh, just uh, uh, prevented me from, you know, uh, you know, making up a, a, a challenge that was as hard as I thought it was than that, you know, this 
computer is actually, you know, uh, manipulating this this gigantic uh, list of amplitudes. Okay, mm. so. So in some sense, you know, the, like if you if you assign a like a prior probability of of effectively zero to you know to to quantum mechanics or to you know the the type of of you know picture of the world that would allow quantum computation, then you've completely insulated yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't even matter if quantum computers are built; you still shouldn't believe in them. Interesting. Uh, so have and, you? Yeah. Have mm-hmm. you like paraphrased this model back to the quantum computing skeptics to see if they would agree that yes, that is my that is the the framework I'm working from within? Um, like, have you tried to achieve common yeah. knowledge to see if? <laughs> yeah. So so um uh so so it, uh, that's 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 a tough question because I think you know there are there are some skeptics like like uh, like uh, uh, Gil Kalai is a very good example, right? Who uh, who 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 actually who actually try to be very reasonable about it? Who say, you know, look, you know, I admit there's a possibility that I could be wrong, and you know, it is very exciting to try to find out, right? And and you know, in some sense, like that, that's the type of case where you know, where where where, in spite of Allman's theorem, I feel like I can agree to disagree, right? <laughs> uh, where you know, I feel like uh, you know, as long as sort of someone agrees that okay, you know, what we should be doing is you know, trying to find out because it's obviously, a, you know, a huge thing either way, right? Then if someone agrees about that, then that's, like, that's more important to me than if they, you know, disagree on the, the object level question, you know, in some sense. Okay, but then there, there are skeptics who, who, who I really would describe as, you know, just sort of assigning a zero prior probability to, um, uh, to to it to it being possible, a, 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 a Leonid Levin would be a good example. Okay, but these people tend to have so many you know heterodox beliefs about so many things, right? That it's sort of hard to know where to even start in having an Omani for me anyway, in having an Omanian conversation with them. Right, right. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I wanted yep. to congratulate you on uh, having put your money where your mouth is and uh, <laughs> offered a. I don't remember when this was recently, I think, offered a $100,000 um, bet that no one will be able to uh, prove that quantum computing is impossible. Uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a while ago. And that was, that was sort of Gil, who, who, uh, Gil Kalai, who prodded me into that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, so, so no, no, notice what I didn't do. I'm not going to make a bet that, you know, a quantum computer will be built in X number of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I'm not going to do. But, you know, uh, but, but, you know, the point I was trying to make there is just that to say that the laws of physics allow this is very much the conservative position. Right. You know, there's nothing radical about it. Yeah, I, I appreciate the framing mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right. as, uh, was it Tyler Cowen or no? Maybe it was Alec. It was, it was some excellent blogger who wrote that uh, a bet is a tax on bullshit. So I uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you contributing to our tax system. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just about out of time for this section of the mm-hmm. podcast. So I'm going to mm-hmm. wrap up the conversation and we'll move on now to the rationally speaking pick. Welcome back. Every episode, we invite our guest to choose the rationally speaking pick of the episode, the book or movie or website or whatever tickles his or her rational fancy. Uh, Scott, what's your pick for the episode? Okay, my pick would be, well, pretty much any of the books by uh, um, 
one of my favorite contemporary writers, uh, Rebecca Newberger Goldstein. A uh, two-time uh, Rationally Speaking guest, in fact. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, uh, my, my favorite is The, uh, the, the Mind-Body Problem. That's probably her most famous book. Uh, but uh, she uh, has a, a recent one called uh, Plato with the Googleplex. We actually uh, did an episode really on like. that. Uh, ah, okay. But not uh, on the mind body problem. That. So I did not. I say I. I, uh, I have to listen to more of your podcast. But uh, just this week, she won the National Medal of the Humanities, which uh, you know I thought was uh, was 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 really cool. It's, you know, it's the sort of thing that I would sort of imagine you know happening in some fantasy world. It's great that it actually happened in the real <laughs> world. So uh, um, yeah. Man, her trophy shelf must really be. Getting yeah, full at this point. Yeah, yeah, right. But you know, I, I, I was into her before she was cool. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Scott. Mm-hmm. We'll be linking to uh, to your blog and book, uh, mm-hmm. as well as to your rationally speaking pick, um, okay. and to, to your talk that that inspired mm-hmm. this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, great to have you on the show. Yeah, well, uh, great to be here. Thanks a lot, Julia. Well, this concludes another episode of Rationally Speaking. Join us next time for more explorations on the borderlands between reason and nonsense. The Rationally Speaking podcast is presented by New York City Skeptics. For program notes, links, and to get involved in an online conversation about this and other episodes, please visit rationallyspeakingpodcast.org. This podcast is produced by Benny Pollock and recorded in the heart of Greenwich Village, New York. Our theme, Truth, by Todd Rundgren, is used by permission. Thank you for listening. <laughs>